God can do things for you even when you're not sure exactly why everything isn't working out exactly the way you want it to. And so <clears throat> I, I'm, uh, I don't know if this would be helpful or be a good example, but years ago before I was apostolic, which was meaning way back there, um, I was a Trinitarian and I was Pentecostal and I was in a great church, people that were just the finest people you'd ever meet in the world. And there was a lady minister that had received the Holy Ghost at Azusa Street. And she was very dear to me. And as a baby, she was uh, born completely crippled. And that is to say that she was curled up. I've heard her testify many, of course, she's long past. But she, <clears throat> her body, her back, her legs, her arms, her head, everything was rolled up. And she couldn't open. She was just a tiny uh, child. And... She grew this way, and then I forget exactly what age it was when they were in the middle of a Holy Ghost service, and the Spirit of God began to move, and all of a sudden, that little uh, little darling, uh, the Spirit of God moved on her until one limb after the other opened, and the, her first her feet, and then her legs, and, and then her hips, and then her back, and, and then, her, then her arms, and her hands, and, and she was shouting and praising God. And she reached her hand out like this to me, and she said, do you see this, honey? And her hand was completely crippled. She said, this is my reminder of what I was. Her hand, the hand never opened up. And I, for all those years, I thought, Lord, oh, Lord. But she praised God every day for that hand. She was one of the finest women you could ever meet, preached like a house on fire. So I don't always understand, but hey, listen, I'll, I thank God for every limb, every arm, every, everything that God has done on my behalf. Hallelujah. I don't have to be a, you know, I'll take the, the few bucks in my pocket. I don't have to have a million because I don't have a thin dime in my pocket. But you understand what I'm saying. I thank God for everything I have. And, uh, and, and if it, you know, maybe, uh, well, I only got half the rent. I don't know where I'm going to get the rest. Thank God for half the rent, folks. That's what you do. You praise him in everything. You give him praise. It's not always easy. It's not always easy. And so we just know that God is good in the midst of it. So tonight we're going to look at uh, Hebrews 12. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read this without the aid of the overhead. They're going to keep it right here. And uh, then we'll instruct them. Hebrews 12 and verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Let there be, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. 
So we're going to look at eventually 10 great examples of forgiveness in the Bible. And the first one is Esau. I'd like you to lay your Bibles down because I'm going to be teaching things tonight I have never taught. I feel like God wants us to receive them. I'd like us to pray that God would open our hearts to receive the word tonight. Can we just pray and ask the Lord to bless the preacher tonight? Father, we thank you for your blessing. I pray, Lord, that we will hear the, the word of God. Our hearts will receive it, will rejoice, that we will know that it is true and that we will be blessed this December, Lord, in your presence. And we thank you, and we magnify your name. And everyone said amen. amen. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going, to, um, we're going to look at Bible examples of forgiveness. Tonight, I'm only going to, I've read four verses in, in Hebrews, but uh, there are two that are critical, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. Now, in just a moment, we'll go to, we'll go to the book of Genesis. And I want you to see how, in my estimation, forgiveness became a central theme of the very first book of the Bible. How many knows what Genesis means? The word Genesis means, of course, the book of beginnings. So it's the very beginning. It's the very first book. And <clears throat> Hebrews introduces forgiveness in a very powerful way. And one of the key players in this question of forgiveness is Esau. Who the Bible said, now, if you have your Bibles, it's not going to come up on the screen. I Forgive me for that. But look at verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person. That's such an interesting. And I'm going to say something tonight about this that I've never seen. I've taught Hebrews. I just taught a whole series on Hebrews recently. And I've never seen this in my entire life. In fact, I've often struggled with the character of Esau. I've never heard a sermon about Esau that was positive. Because of these very verses, so I'm not judging it. I'm simply saying that I'm going to tell you tonight that God used Esau in a very powerful way. And he did so in the book of Genesis. But the Bible says Hebrews calls him a profane person. Now, profane is a translation of a word. Of course, it means it in English, but in case you're not certain of what profane means, and we're not saying propane, we're saying profane. And profane is a word that means incapable. That's what it means. Incapable of spiritual comprehension. Cannot repent. Cannot understand the value of repentance. Now that's the kind of man that we're talking about. And God used him in the book of Genesis. So be careful because there are profane persons such as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance. Though he sought it carefully with what? With tears. So we're going to go to the book of Genesis here. Let's look at a couple of things. First of all, I want to, you to consider these three, although I'm going to introduce a fourth because the timing night will only let us look at three great such stories, the first being Esau, but I will refer to a fourth and we'll... We'll come back to something we ju have just looked at. So we're, we're now on the next slide. Thank you, brother. They're, they're going to try to. 
<laughs> get, used to, get used to me here. <clears throat> All right, so we're looking at examples of forgiveness. Now, what forgiveness does, <clears throat> and we're going to look at the ways in which these three episodes in the Bible represent for a forgiving attitude, a forgiving heart. Uh, many people are filled with unforgiveness. They, they have never forgiven. They never forgive you no matter what it was ever. They say they do, but they never forgive you. It's always there. It's always in the back of their mind. It's always affecting their attitude. It's like, uh, have, how many can tell if you have sugar in your tea or not? You see? Like Sister French uses cream in her coffee, which I've for, I have forgiven her for this for many years. And she uses other things. She, in fact, she just puts a little coffee. Sister French, are you? I know your many things are on her mind here. But uh, she likes, I'm going to look at her because I'm, I'm going to say this and I, I truly mean it. She puts a little coffee in her cream. And of course, what's then, of course, there's the sugar, but we won't go into that. I don't drink uh, black coffee, but I don't put cream in my in my coffee. And and but I make her coffee every morning have for about 300 years. And so I, I will make her coffee and inevitably I always make her breakfast first. Then I make mine. Then I make her coffee. Then I make mine. And I the, and usually instead of switching the spoon, even though I have two spoons, I will use her spoon after having stirred it and the her cream. Sticks to my spoon. And then I forget every morning. This morning was especially bad. It's on my mind. And I'm having a hard time forgiving on this. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, I could taste the cream. That, just that little bit of cream in my coffee. The reason being that it was there and I detected it. As long as it's still there. That is to say, Unforgiveness. You hold on to it. I will never forgive them. I will always hold it. I never will tell anybody, but in the back of my mind, I am not ever going to release them. But forgiveness is the breaking of the chains, as it were. It is something that happens that God says it must happen. And I don't, I don't even fully understand it. Sometimes I'm asking the Lord, Father, it, it, most of this makes so little sense. I, in fact, I made a commitment to the Lord this year that I was going to wrestle with forgiveness until I completely grasp everything in Scripture that has to do with getting myself in that place where I can say, God, I, I think I'm understanding what you're requiring of me. It, it, that to me is how deep forgiveness is. This all began about three years ago when I was praying the Lord's Prayer. And it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I began to wrestle with it. And I said, but Lord, wait now. I don't get the order here. Then, of course, I found that the Greek order is reversed. So that helped me figure several things out about when you pray that prayer, what exactly does it mean? But is there any chance that when I pray that first I have to start forgiving everybody or is that what is meant at all? And I begin to tell the Lord I was going to grasp it as best I could. But there is one thing for sure. Forgiveness that is genuine sets your heart free and breaks the chains. It gives you a whole new. In fact, when you, for example, how many remember when you first were filled with the Holy Ghost and your sins were washed away in baptism? Anybody remember that? Didn't you feel like you've been washed clean of all that? And your whole life was changed. Praise God. 
And so it is. Now let's go to the next slide. We're going to go into Genesis chapter, well, several chapters, but this just happens to be uh, chapter 25. And we're looking here at an ancient uh, rep, uh, picture of uh, Jacob and Esau. Now, I want to use this as a uh, springboard to talk about Esau's, uh, something that Esau did that has to do with forgiveness. Now, of course, Jacob uh, is, of course, his name was changed to Israel. He's the most famous, maybe the, one of the most famous names in the entire world. He was, in fact, a scoundrel. His name meant something like scoundrel or uh, uh, someone that would deceive and so on. So, you, so Jacob himself was not a very worthy individual. There are many things about Jacob. Now, how many knows that God knows the beginning from the ending? God knows. For example, some of you look at people in their unforgiven state and you look at them in the way they are now. But, folks, we got to quit doing that. We've got to start looking at people the way God looks at them. We've got to look at them as, uh, well, that's another sermon. That's another thing. And so here Jacob is in this pretty pitiful situation. And it is so pitiful because you have a scoundrel. I'm going to use the word scoundrel. If you don't like it, take that up with uh, uh, someone. Some, go to the receptionist. Take care of that. Um, the, this scoundrel attitude that Jacob had uh, he was uh, in serious trouble with God. And Esau had a, another problem. It was very different from Jacob's. Jacob was able to change, and Esau was not. Esau was basically Jacob's twin. They were literally chasing each other as it were, and, and the Bible has much to say about Jacob and Esau. And the most famous phrase about Esau is Esau have a Jacob have I loved. And this, of course, I've taught many, many times to predestinarians who believe that God hated Esau with no reason. In other words, he just hates who he hates. He loves who he loves. And I've had him say to me, uh, 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 he has mercy on whom he has mercy. He doesn't even look at him, doesn't care who they are. He just hates them. Sorry, friends. No such thing. God always has a truth behind everything that he's doing. He doesn't hate anybody just because he wants to hate somebody. And he doesn't just love anybody because he just wants to love somebody. God is love. He's not hate. If there's hate there, there's a reason for it. Just like you have to hate sin. How many knows that you should hate sin? These children being abducted from the malls and this, that kind of thing. You should hate that. You should hate the very vileness of sin and so forth. And here was Esau's problem. Esau was profane. He could not comprehend. He couldn't. Now look at this picture. I'm going to get. I'm going to go past it. But Esau's very demeanor in this picture is what I would call nonchalant. Now, of course, he was starving. And if you know the story, we're not going to dig deep into the story. We're simply talking about the the question of forgiveness. But we, we can't understand the forgiveness until we understand what it was that was being forgiven and what was, what was taking place. And Jacob deceived his brother, and he, he did it in an, well, deceptively. He deceived his brother. But Esau was 
thought himself to be starving, let's say. He was so hungry. And the Bible says he was a hunter and, and uh, Jacob was a man of the tent. And, and so uh, he, one was an outdoorsman, the other was an indoorsman. And Esau was incapable in his spirit of recognizing the value of spiritual things. But he was about to receive from his father. He was about to receive the blessing from Isaac that would give him the spiritual leadership of all of the nation of God's people. He would have the double portion and he would be the head of the family. And he was so incapable of accepting it that he allowed his brother to make a deal with him that he would give that birthright to his brother. Now, I'm not putting the blame on Jacob because the blame is on Esau. But it was, in fact, a double sinful problem. And that's, by the way, that's what's happened in our world. We've got sin based built on sin, people being destroyed by sin, and then someone else coming in, husbands and wives and, and the sons and the daughters. There's so much... Uh, it's so much anger and bitterness in people's lives, they can't even figure out what they're angry about. And you can say to them, well, what is it? What are you so full of anger about? They don't even, well, I think he, uh, he did something or other. I, I think he d didn't uh, shake my hand or something. And, and then it just keeps building. And, then, and, and sin building on sin, folks, there comes a time you're going to have to get a hold of spiritual things and understand that God requires of us to be forgiving. We have got to be forgiving people. And, and Esau... Uh, became so embittered that his uh, brother uh, took his birthright. But look at the bottom. Can you read that? That's a old. That's old. This is a very ancient picture, by the way. The writing at the bottom says thus, and this is King James, Esau despised his birthright. He had absolutely no concern about his own birthright. Now let's go to the let's go to the next one. Then there was a, a greater uh, injury upon injury. The Bible tells us that Jacob, well, his mother uh, encouraged him to go in to Isaac and to uh, uh, pretend to be. Uh, his brother Esau and because he had overheard that his brother and and so Esau now was saying okay I've given up my birthright but I've got to get the blessing and Jacob snuck in pretended to be his brother and Esau spoke the words that gave the blessing unto uh, instead of Esau to his twin and Jacob one more time was on the ropes and and had this brought the the anger to such a boil that Jacob and Esau now were at complete odds there was almost no hope of ever reconciling there was no way whatsoever because first of all Jacob was a conniver and a scoundrel and Esau was profane had no concept whatsoever of how to get back to spiritual things folks I want to tell you something we live in a generation very much like that i think sometimes we're living in an esau generation that's the kind of spirit that's pervading in this antichrist generation all right but let's go to the next are you are you are we looking at jacob's journey now are we there there we are okay i want to look at two verses uh here in genesis uh, chapter 33 if you have your bibles you want to turn then follow along we're gonna we're gonna look at something else here in genesis but look at let's look at three things first of all esau became so angry 
in the previous chapters from 27, 28, 29, and 30, that he got together 400 men, which was quite sizable, and he began to pursue Jacob. And he sent word, and Jacob knew that his children, his family, everything that he had connived for, everything that he had done, Jacob began to recognize that he was going to die, but it wasn't just going to be him. It was going to be his entire family. That they were going to slaughter the entire family. They would justify it and say, Esau would say, you are no good. Maybe you're my twin. Maybe you're my brother. Makes no difference. You're gone. Your family's gone. And the Bible says he begins to pray. And in the midst of that, he gets together a bunch of gifts. And they're very interesting. And he sends them ahead and says, I want, when, you get to, when you get to Esau, I want you to say, just like that. look at me, look at me. I want you to say to Esau, say to Esau, these are from my brother Jacob. And and." and explain that the Lord has been good and, and, and he kept giving them things to say and then go and then he would send more gifts and more gifts and, and of course no word came back from Esau and Jacob was in his mind uh, concerned that any moment so he split his family part of them went one way went, some went the other and so if he came this way the others could escape and get out of the way of Esau and then is that fateful night when all of this brought Jacob to the place of his true repentance. And this, of course, is why the Bible speaks of Esau finding no repentance. But, of course, Jacob found the great repentance that changed his life in his name. Folks, let me tell you something. Repentance is what you need. You don't need to be holding on to your past sin and all the grief and all the unforgiveness. You need to let go of it. Hey, the Lord can take care of it. He knows what he's doing. And so Jacob began... To wrestle. And uh, this is, of course, the great children's story, but it's the great story of all time. When Jacob began to, the angel of the Lord came and he wrestled with the Lord all night long until the sunlight was coming. I love the story. I love the, the, the way the story picks up on various details. I mean, why would an angel have to leave in the, in the, in the, in the daylight? But yet that's in the story. And so he, he, he strikes him on the side and, and they tell us that Jacob never, ever walked again normal, that it knocked his hip out of place. And he, he always walked with a little bit of a, of a limp, but it was a reminder that day that repentance really got a hold of him and everything became new and he was changed and his name was you're no longer you're now the prince with God <laughs> hallelujah okay and so everything was built and Jacob knew nothing he had no idea what was about to come and this profane brother of his verse 3 Genesis 33 Jacob bowed himself to the ground seven times there he is with his 400 men and there they are with their swords and their horses and he bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. So I take this to mean he's moving every little. He's bowing every and seven times. I mean, folks, that's really that's doing some bowing. Verse four. And Esau ran to meet him. Jacob had no idea that all of this gifting and sending word and little whispers and tell him, tell him this and tell him this and tell him this had made the difference. And he saw something in his heart. A man that could not understand spiritual things, he was completely profane, suddenly said to himself, 
This is my twin. I've got to do something to make it right. I've got to reconcile. Sure, I've lost it all. But because he was profane, he was able to just dismiss all of that and come to one conclusion. This is my brother. I'm going to forgive him. And when he saw him, here was the man that they were all, they, the family was over here. The kids were so nervous. They were having to hold the babies and, 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 and the wives were thinking, my, uh, what are we, which one of us are going to be slaughtered first? And, and all of a sudden they saw Esau running toward his brother. When he saw that brother out there kneeling down, you know, some people are given all kinds of signs of repentance and they never forgive. They never say, I, I see what you're doing. Now, I understand sometimes people are not very repentant. And so that's another that's for another example. We're talking about Esau. But when Esau saw his brother bowing and, and the gifts, and he talks about it. When he, he says, oh, the gifts you gave me, I don't want these gifts. I want you to have them. And, he's, and Jacob said, never will I take them back. Because it has brought me to this place where I have my name is now Israel. I have stood in the presence of God. I have wrestled with God. Hallelujah. And the birth of the, listen to me, the birth of the nation of Israel was born in the story of repentance. It was born in the story of forgiveness. In fact, it was supposed to tell the nations that even with Esau as profane as he was and Jacob as much of a scoundrel as he was, God was able to change the circumstance so much so that Israel was saved by forgiveness. In fact, Israel is the name of Jacob, of course. So he was actually saved by forgiveness. It was supposed to have been his last day. But Esau ran to meet him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. Praise God. Could we just lift our hands and thank God for letting us get close to him? Father, you let us run to you, Lord. You, you drew us into your presence and you fell upon us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And because you have forgiven me, Lord, my heart is moved and I am changed and I am a new man. And I thank you, Jesus. Can we just clap our hands and thank the Lord for the freedom and the power of repentance. Praise God. So forgiveness is central. Here we go. Next slide. To the story of Genesis. In fact, Genesis is central to everything that has to do with God. And forgiveness is at the center of it all. There wouldn't even be an Israel. Now, I'm not saying God couldn't have done something. I'm saying there wouldn't have been an Israel. We know. Esau, the toughest and most betrayed of men, refused to withhold forgiveness. Now, this is the message I've come with tonight. Esau was profane and knew nothing of love for righteousness. In fact, the word profane in Greek basically means 
irreligious, incapable of comprehending the value of a religious notion. And yet he could grasp the value of forgiveness. Forgiveness was the result of God intervening on behalf of Jacob because of his sincere prayer. In other words, God used forgiveness to create everything that the church and the nation of Israel would become. And so it was. Now let's continue because I want to now go to uh, the second example in Genesis, and that is Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Because remember, there are three, and we're almost there. Some of you, just stay with me. There are three. So Esau, the most unlikely example, I'd never, ever seen it before. I was reading Hebrews, and the Lord just started dealing with me that even the most vile of all of the descendants of of, of Isaac, that he was able to grasp. I cannot, now folks, you listen to me. I'm going to say it and I'm not going to be popular. If a vile man who could not repent could forgive and you have been washed in the blood, saved by his mercy, you had no right to be saved. You had no right to salvation. God's mercy alone is how we were saved. And yet you still hold unforgiveness. That means to me, you are worse than Esau. Because even the profanity of Esau could come to the conclusion that forgiveness was real. And God could use it to make the nation of Israel. Now, I, I, I know that God can do anything, so please don't misunderstand me. I know God could have done something else. How many knows that God can do anything? There's no contingency. In fact, oh, hallelujah. Praise God. I want to get off of that. I want to stay right on this. So I don't mean by that that God couldn't have done anything else because I can't say what he would have done had it been something else. I can't say what that would be. But he could do it. He could do anything. How many believe that? God can do anything. Praise God. For all things work together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to praise God tonight. Somebody needs to say thank you, Jesus. Woo, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something in my soul tonight when I was thinking and preaching, I thought, Lord, I do, I, do I dare get up there and teach this tonight? And, and uh, in my spirit, I could feel the Holy Ghost saying that, there, that some of us, uh, we're, we're wondering why God brought us to the place where we're at. Why am I here? By, what's that ladder doing going up there? Anybody ever heard of Jacob's ladder? Don't despise it, my friend. And don't despise your calling to repent. Because if you ever become incapable of repenting, then, uh, well, just don't ever do it. All right. Now, let's look now at this theme as it continues in Joseph. Now, <clears throat> here is a, a modern day. It doesn't matter where this picture. It's just a picture of a supposed Joseph. All right. Uh, number one, his brothers had heard his dream and they totally rejected it. 
Number two, they betrayed him and threw him in a pit and then left him there to either die or whatever would happen. Number three, they then destroyed his coat, which was a symbol of his dream and of his father and, and the nation and everything. And out of jealousy and, and whatever else, there really was, it was inexcusable. Now, I've heard people preach about Joseph and very interesting, well, Joseph should have kept his mouth shut and all of that. And I agree, he really should have been a little more, I, I agree, okay. But that does not justify a single thing that his brothers did to him. They were evil and they were about to destroy. Of course, they thought it would come through them and everything. We'd get a man, it's going to be ours. We'll, <laughs> it'll be ours. And, and Joseph, but God had a plan. How many knows that God's going to do it his way? He's not going to do it your way. So they destroyed his coat and they took the blood of uh, animals and they put it on the coat and they took it back to the dad and lied through their teeth. Is there any other way to lie than through your teeth? Here comes. I was going to say, but I was trying to hold back. All right. They wanted the father to believe that his son had been devoured. And then they went back and they thought, oh, we can make a little money on this. And they sold him into slavery. And then that put him in such a situation, ended in Potiphar's house and so on. And he ended up. Uh, in situation, he ended up in prison, situation after situation, rejected. But how many can see that with all of that, Joseph never became bitter? He refused the bitterness. Let's let's go to the next the next slide. So. The brothers came back. Joseph, all the stories, one of the great stories. You know that Joseph really is the greatest symbol in the entire Bible of Jesus. And so his brothers come and they, they, there's, there's famine in the land and the whole the story. I'm skipping it all. But, but what is interesting about the story tonight to me is that it one more time reaffirms the reality that in God's plan, Forgiveness is central. It isn't a little sideline, well, I, I, I'll forgive them. No, no, it's not a sideline. It's not something you can play around with. You can't say, well, you don't know what I've been through. You can't say nobody has a right. You, you can't do it, my friend. You need to understand that forgiveness is central to the plan of God. And if you are not letting it be central, I don't know what may be happening in your spirit. Some people blame God. Other people blame someone else. But it's something you cannot forgive. You can't grasp it. You can't forgive it. And you hold on to it. But Joseph had been wronged like no man had ever been wronged. Lied about. Even a woman said he was, uh, you know the story. And, and claimed and had him thrown in prison. All because of his brother's actions. But God used Joseph one more time to demonstrate the power of forgiveness. Had he, now listen, had Joseph harbored bitterness, let's call it that, but we could say unforgiveness. 
that would have meant the destruction of Israel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody say, praise the Lord. I'm not, I'm not going to go forever. I don't got, just got one more. All right, so Joseph, had he become angry, now he was disturbed, and there's, there's more to this story than I'm telling, but Joseph was able to get past his bitterness. He found forgiveness. And as they were standing there, Pleading for their brothers and pleading for Benjamin. Don't make our father come. He's too old to make this trip. We've already done too much. And then they would whisper, oh my goodness, oh, what have we done? What have we done? And Joseph would have to leave the room because he couldn't, he couldn't bear to see his brothers hurting. He couldn't bear to think of his father. All those years believing the lie that he had been devoured by beasts. And so finally he couldn't take it any longer. So let's go to the next one. Uh, thank you, folk, brethren. One, one more. Here we go. And when Joseph's brethren, she's supposed to say, saw that their father was dead. This is the very last chapter of Genesis. They said, Joseph. <laughs> Will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. He's going to get even if anybody ever got even. And then verse 17, skipping a verse or so, and Joseph, overhearing them, wept as they spoke. Verse 18, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. Verse 19, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for, I, for am I in the place of God? <laughs> but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it for good. Folks, this is the very last chapter of the book of Genesis. And forgiveness fills this entire book. It runs from Genesis like a blood river all the way to Calvary. And it says to every saint of God, Forgiveness is the heartbeat of God. Hallelujah. You meant it. You thought it. I always say meant it, but King James says, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. Let's go. Let's keep going. Let's go to the heart. So what does Joseph show us? What does Esau tell us? That being forgiving impacts your heart. It impacts your heart. In other words, it has an impact on your heart. Now, Martin Luther King Jr. said, let's keep going. Next slide. In a few days, won't we have this on, do you think? Maybe tomorrow? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, here we go. You can see I did not write this. <clears throat> I 
I took it, I borrowed it, put it on this slide. Forgiveness, Martin Luther King Jr. said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a permanent attitude. Forgiveness is an attitude of the heart. Let's go to the next one. Now, we're going to close with David, the story of David. Turn with me in your Bibles. Let's close out with this. Let's grab 2 Samuel uh, 12, right? Yeah, so we're in chapter 12 each time, so that shows it must be God. All right, so we're in 2 Samuel 12. We're, we're closing out here, and here we have the story of David. Uh, now, David was, of course, a man after God's own heart. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, but David, um, and of course now we're seeing the reverse. We're not talking about uh, Joseph forgiving. We're talking about God's forgiveness, receiving forgiveness, and how to get forgiveness. And so uh, David became caught up in, uh, in his uh, sin. And chapter 12 of Second Samuel, if you have your Bible, and the Lord sent Nathan unto David, that is the prophet, and he came unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor, and the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up and grew up together with him and with his children. And he did eat with his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler into the rich man, and he spared to travel, uh, uh, to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing. Because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. And so we see the exact opposite of Esau. Esau, who could do nothing religious, could forgive. And a man who had done evil had been after God's own heart is now the man that has done such an evil thing. He's a, basically, David is just absolutely ashamed of himself beyond words. And, of course, the further story, which we won't read, is that the prophet said, this child's going to die. I can hardly even say that. I can't tell you the times I've talked to God. Lord, why? Why did that baby have to pay the price for that? There are a lot of questions. I've got tons when I get up there. Uh, God knew, and it's just God's way. God can handle it. God let him handle it. The consequences were unbelievable, but what is critical here is that this so crushed David. That he could not bear. He could not bear it. Have mercy, he said, upon me, O God. I'm reading from the New Living. 
Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out my sins, Lord. In other words, I recognize how this happens, Lord. I'm worthless, but you are worthy. Wash me clean from my guilt. Pur purify me from sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you, and you only have I sinned. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. So David found forgiveness. Through his pain, God painted a perfect picture of what true repentance should look like. And it also signifies how forgiving God is. Is anybody thankful that God is forgiving and that there is nothing too hard For God to forgive. Now, one more thing before we say amen. I got a bit of a revelation that you're not going to like, but I'm going to share it with you and you can go wrap your packages. Every one of these stories of forgiveness have one theme in common. I had never seen it before, never. And here it is. That's what they have in common. So I ask you tonight, when the woman came and took her tears, took her hair and washed the feet of Jesus bowed herself. The tears of repentance poured out on the feet of the Lord. Do you think that had any impact on how Jesus felt about it? Can you imagine enough tears? I was preaching in Maine some time ago. A man let out of prison had murdered a lady. And I don't know the whole story, but anyway, I prayed with him in the altar years and years ago. And they had these pine altars that they had made. They were beautiful, but they were like real light color wood. And I knelt next to him and they said, Brother French, he's hot. Yeah, he, he, said he murdered somebody. They were trying to warn me that he, I'm like, so what do you want me to do? <laughs> you want me to start running? What, what do you need me to do here? And I said to the, to the brother, I said, look here. Look, look, look. Do you see that? You see that puddle of tears? You don't have anything to worry about. Whatever has brought him to this altar, the evidence of his repentance is on that altar. And he got the Holy Ghost that night. But what I'm trying to tell you is that took a lot of tears to, to, to do what happened there. And the one thing that ties Esau 
and Joseph. And it took me quite a while to figure out where in the scripture did it say that David, I thought, well, maybe it never says David wept over that baby. I searched for quite some time because I thought I remember sometime years ago it said, but it wasn't back there where it said it. We don't get that till later. So I've even heard whole sermons that David was strong. He never wept a tear. He just stood there with strong. But the Bible doesn't say that. That's a sermon that's mistaken. The Bible says that he fasted and wept as long as the baby was alive. There was still some hope. He was still hoping that God would change his Tears make a difference. And you need to quit reviling people for seeking God with tears. Now, I overdo it, and that's just my need. I just simply the way I am. But I'm not suggesting you do this. I'm suggesting that tears link every one of these moments of forgiveness. You know, God sees the heart, and tears are a window to your soul. When is the last time you have wept before God? I ask you this because forgiveness is critical. If God has forgiven you, you must forgive your neighbor. Let's stand together, shall we? Let's give God praise. Let's thank him for the baby in Bethlehem. Let's pray that God will save many souls and forgive their sins. Lord, we don't hold sin against anyone. We preach against sin, but we do not hold it against them. We do not stand as though we are better than other people. We stand as though we are forgiven. Lord, we were worse than infidels. Lord, we were ungodly and unrighteous, but you saw my tears and you drew me in oh Lord you lifted me up to my feet and you said you're a child of God hallelujah praise you Jesus let's lift that other hand for a minute let's praise him some thank you Jesus thank you for this holiday season Lord it's been a, a difficult season it's been a hard time to lose loved ones and, and see the pain oh God but we know that you are with us and you are keeping us, and we praise you, God. Thank you for the Bible example of how to free us from the chains of unforgiveness. And everyone said, in Jesus' name.